Hello, vampires and slayers. This is Mixtress Ray, and you're listening to What's This Bitch Talking About? To which the answer to that question is Buffy, Season 3, Episode something, 7, Revelations. So this episode originally aired, um, oh, um, just in case you've never seen listened to my podcast before and some for some weird reason you're starting with the review of season three episode seven revelations i review recap rewatch uh and upload a podcast usually all in the same day for um every episode of buffy the vampire slayer exactly 20 years after its original air date so november 17th 1998 20 years ago from the very moment that i am speaking these words into my recorder this episode aired <laughs> very dramatic just for me to say that this episode was written by Douglas Petrie, directed by James Contner. These are two people that do a lot of Buffy stuff. They're regulars. Um, okay, let's get into it. The um, I really enjoy the episode summaries in my favorite episode guide, which I mention almost every episode, which is called Bite Me by Nikki Stafford. It, um, she has like the tiniest little one sentence, um, summaries for the episode. So this is what she says. Faith gets a new watcher. And when Xander catches a glimpse of Buffy kissing Angel, the gang stages an intervention. <laughs> so this episode entitled Revelations is all about revelate it's really only about one revel well i mean i guess kind of towards the end there are some other revelations there's a lot of things information kept from people like almost everything in this episode is a whole bunch of avoidable conflicts and tragedies um because somebody is not telling the whole story to someone else. Somebody doesn't have all the information. And that really comes to a head at the very end of the episode, the fight at the end. Um, everybody is fighting based on motivations. Everybody is acting based on motivations because they don't have all the information. So this episode is, um, like most episodes of Buffy, it's trying to get across some sort of metaphor the horrors represented in the episode represented by vampires and demons and gloves of minigon and all that shit are supposed to represent real life horrors um be metaphors for real life horrors and this episode i think is a good example of that because yeah i think the message is pretty clear that like Every conflict, every single fucking conflict in this episode could have been avoided if everyone was open with each other and was giving all of the information. I mean, I haven't even really started talking about it yet, and this is going to be the theme of the episode, obviously, but um, I might as well start listing all of it. Um, Giles is acting based on not having if the watchers council were in better contact with giles which i don't really understand why they're not why the watchers council is a bunch of assholes he's the only watcher that has a slayer only one watcher at a time actually has an active slayer in their care 
and the Watchers Council doesn't stay. I mean, they should be, if they really cared, they wouldn't be this just like ephemeral entity overseas that never tells Giles anything. If they had been more open with Giles, then they, he would have known from the very beginning that Gwendolyn Post, Faith's new Watcher, wasn't actually her new Watcher. Like, surely the Watcher's Council would give Giles a heads up if someone is flying overseas to come be Faith's Watcher. I mean, they basically told him that he is going to be her de facto Watcher alongside being Buffy's Watcher until they find Faith a replacement Watcher since hers just died before she came to Sunnydale. So if they had been in better communication with Giles, he would know that Gwendolyn Post was ousted from the Watcher's Council like two fucking years ago, which we find out at the end of the episode. If Buffy had told everyone that Angel was back, then they, they would be where we are emotionally with Angel, which is, well, obviously he came back with a soul and he just suffered in a hell dimension for maybe a thousand years and he is back to his same level of quote-unquote goodness that he was before he lost his soul and you know we've seen him doing tai chi <laughs> so we know that he still has a soul <laughs> you can't do tai chi if you don't have a soul <laughs> right mom um anyway so if Buffy had told everyone when he first got back, and I, I understand how tricky that is. That That's really tricky. And they wouldn't understand. But she shouldn't understand either. And I get it that she's blinded by love, whatever. But, and she is a teenager. So I get the motivations why she didn't tell them. But it's really bad that she didn't tell them. It's really, really bad. If, you know, Willow would come out about, I mean, as we'll see in the next episode, as soon as everyone finds out about Willow, Willow and Xander, it's like they instantly no longer are attracted to each other because the entire thing was motivated by sexy secret times. And as soon as that's out in the open, it's over. So if, if Willow had been able to succeed in this episode when she tries to open up to Buffy about it, like I'm, I'm explaining the overall themes of the episode before I've even told you and gotten into my notes about what's going on at all. But like, I guess I come from the assumption that you guys have watched it recently because ideally what I would like for our relationship as podcast provider and uh, podcast listener is that you have watched the episode right before you listen to the podcast. Um, but I, I get that a lot of people don't do that, but a lot of people have way better memories than mine. So if you've seen the episode before, you might actually remember this shit without having to watch it again immediately beforehand. Um, anyway, so like basically everyone, if they had been more upfront, if, if whenever they staged that stupid intervention, which was done poorly, and I don't think it should have been handled the way that it was, and we'll get there. But if they had invited Faith to be part of that then it would have this action right there of them not having faith be a part of this. And I understand from their point of view why they didn't, because she wasn't there for all of Angel's shenanigans. Like she, 
so it makes sense that they wouldn't have included her, but they could have communicated with her. They could have said, hey, here's what's going on. We're going to do this intervention with Buffy today. Um, you're welcome to come, but it, I understand if you don't want to, since you don't know Angel personally, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they could have communicated with her better. They just left her out of this whole situation and that's shitty. And that is probably a big reason why she turns to the dark side very quickly. Like, when does it fucking happen? I mean, it might be a few episodes from now. I only have written down in my calendar what is coming up in the rest of this year. Let's see. Let me look at my my big chart. Gingerbread, Helpless, Zeppo, Bad Girls. Okay. I guess we do still have one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven episodes before she fully goes to the dark side. But, um, I, th yeah, anyway, Faith, I'm always preoccupied with Faith because she's really one of my favorite characters of all time. But if they had let her in on this whole thing, you know, she wouldn't have gone after Angel. Just all of it is just, anyway, I'm not going to list all of that because I mean, we'll get there as I'm talking about it. So anyway, um, Let's just go into my notes. My first note is Oz is so disconnected with his band. Like I get that like, okay, so the very opening scene is Dingo's Ate My Baby playing and then they're ending a song and um, Oz just sort of nods at his bandmates, takes his guitar off it, and immediately walks off stage to go hang out with um, everybody. And it's just weird. Like, I don't know, like wouldn't he have to like, help the band tear down the equipment. Like, I understand they couldn't have the shot of him, of them finishing the song and then him sitting down with everyone if he didn't do it that quickly. But I don't know. It just seemed weird. Like every time we see him play with the band, it's the same thing. He's like making, making googly eyes at Willow. He's playing. Then he stops, sets his guitar down and walks over to everyone. You know, it's always that. But um, anyway... That's just something that I just noticed. Um, there's an awkward moment between Xander and Willow here because um, basically it's Willow, Xander, and Cordelia sitting at a table and then Oz walks up and there's like no room for him at the table or something. So he's like sitting on the other side of Willow and kind of scoot, you know, I'm just going to scooch in or whatever. And then, which means Willow has to scoot closer to Xander and they both react horribly because of, you know, their infidelities. So that's a weird little moment. They start, um, basically Willow just tries to change the subject of how weird they're both being. Like they spill a, like Xander spills a drink or something. Like the whole thing is just very weird. Um, and Cordelia calls it out, like, why are you guys acting so hyper, you know? And then Willow just sort of, like, tries to change the subject to Buffy. Do you think, uh, Buffy is acting weird lately? Uh, she's been alone a lot, and, uh, do you think she's dating someone? Blah, blah, blah. And as they're having that speculative conversation about whether or not Buffy's dating someone, she walks up, and 
she's she has this cute little speech of like well i mean i wouldn't call it a date but i am going out tonight blah 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 and then um faith shows up and puts her arm around buffy and she says says the words time to motivate <laughs> have you ever heard that word before have you ever heard it since have you ever even noticed that that's the word that she says I think I only notice because I have I always have the subtitles on so she says time to motivate and um, then Buffy says but I'd say we're just friends so this is a big you know the whole like possibility of Buffy and Faith being like romantically linked is a pretty big deal to the queer community and so that was just and I I wonder if they sort of knew that I bet they did because at this point I think the like Buffy online message boards were pretty active and I know that from pretty much from the beginning Joss was really involved in that like he just sort of stalked those message boards and he took a lot of the opinions of the fans into account as he was writing the story so I wouldn't be surprised if people were expressing how much expressing the love of you know two slayers possibly having some sexual tension and he just sort of threw them little bones like that um, because people in the queer community really go apeshit for that. I, I enjoy it, but being that I'm sort of a gray sexual human, I just learned that word recently. <laughs> Yay me. Um, I, I don't usually put sexual context to things. I mean, I enjoy them being, you know, on the same side. I really like the two of them being slayer mates. Um, but I don't really, you know, I don't really put it in a sexual place, but if you do, great, do your thing. Um, time to motivate. Then they, um, Giles is for some reason watching them slay and like taking notes or something and they're in the cemetery together and they fight together and they have like synchronized slaying. <laughs> they both dust a vampire at the same time and they like high five and it's just a cute little, cute little Slayer Buffy or Faith Buffy moment. Um, and Faith's new watcher, Gwendolyn Post, shows up at that exact moment. Like, how did she know to just, like, show up in the exact cemetery where they were? That makes no fucking sense. Except that she might have been already looking for the glove of Minigon. That's possible. Um, and then just decided to pretend to be Faith's watcher to get their help. I mean, maybe. I'll, I'll allow that explanation I guess um, so she shows up and announces herself as Faith's new watcher they go back to the library and have like a super uncomfortable scene where Gwendolyn is being a complete asshole to Giles like so where do you keep the rest of your books oh this is the rest of the books and then she starts quizzing him on what particular demon books he has and doesn't have and he's just like all like uh uh oh well that one's on order oh I do have that one and he gets really excited about one of them and like grabs it and she's like well of course you do she's just being a total ass face um I just want to have a quick aside here um I'm thinking about changing my five by five ratings to be the first score so it's always in the past my five by five ratings for the episodes have been a score out of five of how much i enjoyed the episode 
multiplied by a score out of five of how clear the episode's message comes across. I'm thinking about changing that second factor, that second rating to the treatment of women, because it has come to my attention, you know, with, especially with the whole, like, Joss is kind of a terrible human being thing that has come out recently that, you know, it's made me pay a little bit more attention to how feminist the show of Buffy actually is because just because there are a lot of female characters with good character development in this show and the Slayer is a woman and she's at the forefront of the show does not in and of itself make it not a sexist show. I mean, really, honestly, like I, I, I think I want to pay more attention to that. And I think I want to talk about that more. Um, because by and large, the male characters on the show do not have to answer for their past transgressions. They do not have to apologize for things that they do wrong. Um, but the women really do have to pay for any, any wrong choices that they make. This is a very like moral show in that morality and good and evil is really like forced down your throat at every turn on this show. That's something that's very important to the show is morality. And with that said, it's, it's not equal in its morality. Like Buffy forever pays for the fact that she decided to have sex with a vampire. Whereas Xander, I don't think, and I'm really going to be paying attention to this. I don't think he's ever apologized for anything shitty that he's ever done. And this episode has an example of that. We'll get there. But, um, okay. So what I wanted to say here is that we, you know, it has been pointed out that watchers are not always male. However, the only examples so far that we've had of any female watchers are, I mean, unless you count, I mean, I guess the watchers council is made up of all watchers. Why are there so many when there's only one slayer at a time? I mean, I guess there has to be, I mean, we never really know the scope of how big the council is, but I, it would be safe to assume, you know, there's at least, I don't know, 25 of them. So I guess that makes sense. I don't know. They never really go into the mythology of how the watchers are chosen. Like, are the watchers chosen in some sort of mystical sense, just like the slayers are? I don't think so, because if that were the case then Faith would already have a new watcher. They, I, you know, they give the impression that they're going to decide who Faith's new watcher will be, which means it's not mystically chosen. Anyway, so the only two examples that we have of female watchers um, up until this point is that we know that Faith's first watcher was female, but she is now dead. So... And then she gets assigned another female watcher in this episode, but we find out she was never actually assigned this watcher and this watcher has gone evil. So only two examples of female watchers up until this point and possibly ever. I don't remember any future instances of this either. One dead, one evil. 
So that's shitty. That's shitty treatment of women right there. Um, it is. And is it because they're women that they're treated shittily in this context? I don't know, but just want to point it out. Okay. Uh, my next note is I paused on Faith's face because I've been really trying to study her makeup. Um, I've been, you know, like pretty obsessed with makeup lately yesterday. Oh my God. So I decided I was watching like tutorials for how to do makeup tips for how to do makeup for hooded eyes because I have very hooded eyes. Like my eyebrows are kind of low set and my eyes, I have a lot of extra skin around my eyes. They're just, they're very hooded. So I don't have a whole lot of space to work with when it comes to eyeshadow. So every time I try like some kind of eyeshadow look or whatever, it just never works on my face. So I was looking up tutorials on how to do eyeshadow better for a person with hooded eyes yesterday and I learned a new tip. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go try this. And so I went into my bedroom just in the middle of a freaking Friday afternoon. I hadn't even changed out of, I had put pants on, but I, anyway, you guys don't care, but I just, I didn't put a bra on at all yesterday and I didn't brush my hair or take it out of the braid that I put it in every night. I, all I did was put pants on at some point and that is it. But I also put on a full face of makeup because I was like, okay, I'm going to go try this out. And I just sat down to play with makeup at my, um, dresser. And then when I emerged from putting on makeup for like an hour and a half, it was dark outside. <laughs> it was the weirdest, like normally I'd, I don't lose track of time that badly, but the curtains were closed in my bedroom. So like I couldn't see daylight <laughs> anyway, but I sat down and it was daylight. And when I stood up to like leave the room and I thought, Hey, maybe it's time for lunch. Boobity-boo. <laughs> it was dark outside. <laughs> I was like, fuck, how long have I been doing makeup? Anyway, that's not important to anything whatsoever, except that I paused on Faith's face in this, one of these first scenes when they're in the library talking to Faith's new watcher and like studied her makeup and I made notes on it. So these are the notes that I made. Matte face, deep burgundy matte lip, black rimmed eyes in waterline inner corner, thicker on ends. So, I mean, basically Faith's look is just thick black eyeliner, but, um, I was really studying how it was applied because her eyes are a little bit hooded as well. Both her and Buffy have, you know, kind of hooded eyes. Um, maybe not. I mean, I don't. But I'm thinking that I could, if I could execute it properly, I could probably pull off Faith's look just as an everyday look. So I need to work on that. The problem that I have, you guys don't care, but I've been really wanting to do like more goth looks. And one of the things about goth makeup that is done really often is they'll be usually, I mean, there's lots of black, obviously but it's usually like a very exaggerated, like Egyptian cat eye situation, which in order to pull that off, you really need to do like pointed black 
liner in the inner corners of your eyes and my right eye I cannot put makeup on the inner corner I can do like some highlighter but black shit just like it waters off immediately so I can't really put anything in that corner so I need to figure out how to navigate that situation anyway you guys don't care let's move on from makeup it's all I've been thinking about lately which I have obsessions I do that and right now it's makeup oh god okay apparently I'm not moving on from makeup right now so I have to share with you guys um I let you guys know a couple weeks ago or a month ago or whatever that I was going to um not have a weekly radio show anymore it's just gonna be monthly which means that a lot of the time that I spend on my radio show is a lot of personal stuff I talk about a lot of personal stuff on my radio show and now that I'm only doing it once a month instead of once a week um it means that some of that personal shit is going to trickle over into this podcast. So I hope you guys don't hate that. Um, especially since it's not structured at all. I'm already talking about the episode and I'm just going on little rants about my personal life. Anyway, I have had such a problem with makeup lately, like ordering it, put charging makeup to my fucking credit card that I had to make a pact with myself an agreement with myself whatever you call it that I would not buy any more makeup for the next six months that's gonna be really really hard for me but I think I need to do it because at this point I am starting to get to kind of a tipping point where I have a reasonable amount of makeup it's not really too much but it's to that tipping point where like if I get any more makeup I might not really know what I have and I might be like over stimulated by how much I have and I need to like get to know the shit that I already have and use the shit that I already have and you know I don't like being excessive you know anyway so just so I'm saying it out loud to someone I am not buying any makeup until May 15th 2019 <laughs> except mascara because mascara like goes bad really quickly and I always buy like small tubes of it for that reason and I hate mascara so much so like I'm not gonna take any joy out of buying mascara just like when I run out of it or it starts getting super gloopy and gross I'll just buy a new tube like I'm allowed to do that but that is it I'm not allowed to do anything else I'm not allowed to buy new lipstick I'm not allowed to buy new eyeliner nothing <laughs> and that's gonna be really hard for me so let's take a moment of silence for the next six months in which I'm not allowed to buy any makeup okay moving on <laughs> um, it is also revealed in this scene in this library scene that there are 12 cemeteries in Sunnydale I think that's an important fact that we should all remember 12 cemeteries in Sunnydale <laughs> Um, and also I just needed to note that Giles's minty milk glass cup is in the scene. <laughs> I will have one of those someday. If you guys ever see one at an antique place, let me know if I'm, you know, if I live close enough to you that I could acquire it. Or if you guys wanted me to like PayPal you some money so you could send it to me, like, just let me know. Okay. Um, the next scene is Buffy's doing Tai Chi with Angel. 
Uh, my mom is actually an expert in Tai Chi. She's been doing it for a really long time, like 10 years or probably more than that, actually. Um, and so I always ask her when we're watching this together, and I think I mentioned this last episode, if when Angel is doing Tai Chi, if he's doing it right, she says no, which I can understand. Like, I'm sure they sort of tried to do Tai Chi, but the fact that, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz are probably not, you know, experts in Tai Chi, they probably don't really know what they're doing. But the only reason why it's here is because it's supposed to be real sexy. So Angel has no shirt and Buffy's doing Tai Chi with him and like from the beginning of the scene and then they almost kiss you know that this is not good like this is not what should be happening you know Buffy should not be doing Tai Chi with Angel because it's too sexy uh, they like each other too much so um at the end of it Angel puts a shirt on so we haven't really seen that happen since he came back from hell after they get done doing Tai Chi and they almost kiss, he puts a shirt on and it's a very like, it's a very sexual tension type scene where like Buffy is trying to leave, but she really wants to make out with him. And up until this point, I mean, we got a little bit of a hint of sexual tension in the last episode, but they have done a pretty good job at building that up. Like at first, it really genuinely was about Buffy wondering if she could trust him and trying to take care of him. And he was just sort of animalistic. At this point, he's back to himself personality wise. wise. And so obviously, you know, that... The fact that they're very, very drawn to each other is back. And this is the first time they're trying to figure that out. I mean, this is the first time since they did it that he has a soul and he, you know, he's been reinsold. And so they know that they can't consummate their relationship. So they're trying to stay away from each other and whatever. So, I mean, it's a complicated thing and they are kind of handling it okay. Like, I feel like this is pretty realistic that they would be trying to stay away from each other and failing. Um, it's a complicated situation. So, okay. Um, then uh, the quote of the episode happens. I tried to find it so I could play it for you guys, but I couldn't find it again. I don't know where it is in the episode. I obviously took it. I obviously wrote it down in my notes in the wrong place. But anyway, at one point, Buffy says it's another Tuesday night in Sunnydale. So that's the quote of the episode. Um, I remember back in the day when they were doing like promos for like reruns of Buffy, they would use that little quote. It's another Tuesday night in Sunnydale because that was the, you know, that was sort of a tongue in cheek reference to the fact that it was airing on Tuesday nights. Um, but Tuesday night 20 years ago is now Saturday night for us. So for us, it's another Saturday night in Sunnydale. But for then, it was Tuesday. Tuesday is generally a pretty crappy day of the week. So, I mean, kind of a bonus that Buffy was on on that night. Anyway, <laughs> um, I wrote something that I never thought I would write in reference to Willow and Xander. I wrote, 
that it was kind of a sweet moment between them. So they're like helping Giles do research for this Glove of Minagon situation. Um, and they're like, they're really tired because they've been doing it all night or something. And um, they're alone in the stacks. And Willow is sort of like, she says her eyes are all blurry. So she starts like trying to massage her own temples. And then he, this is kind of a sweet moment. He just sort of reaches behind her slowly so that she can, you know, swat his hand away if she wants to. And he starts massaging her temples after like, you know, 30 seconds. I mean, it's not really 30 seconds, but in their time, probably she like is obviously enjoying the temple massage, but she, she tells him to stop. And he says, he takes a second to stop, but he does say stop means no, no means no. And then he pulls his hands away and he forces himself to stop. And then she like kisses him and they're just making out in the stacks at that point. But up until that moment, I don't know, it seemed kind of sweet. If they weren't cheating on their partners who don't deserve this shit, if that context was taken out of this moment, it would be a sweet little moment between the two of them. So I can, I can, uh, I can still recognize that. Um, all of their other little tryst moments have not seemed sweet to me, but this one did. Um, and then uh, my next note is, does Giles know? Because he walks up and you can just see him from like, I don't know, the neck down or something because they're sitting on the Xander and Willow while they're making out in the stacks or sitting on the floor. So you see him walk up and he basically says that he has found what he needed in the books. He tells them to go. At one point, Willow they stand up really quick like separate and stand up really quick and you you don't know because it looks like he was looking at a book that maybe giles had no idea that they were making out maybe he didn't catch them but i think that he did catch them and giles is just too tactful to you know say anything um because and here's why i think he caught them and it's ambiguous, so I don't know if the show wants us to think that he caught them or not. I can't really tell based on the context. I think it's just a sort of, you know, you insert whether you think he caught them or not in your own head kind of thing. Which is one of the cool things about this show is that they don't always completely knock you over the head with what they want you to think. Um they, for the most part, let a viewer be smart enough to figure things out, which unfortunately means a lot of the time I don't figure it out because I'm not that smart. But anyway, I think he does know, and I've never thought this before, but I think he does know because at one point Willow asks him how he found whatever information that he needs because he's going, he went to find them to tell them that he's found what he needed and they can go home. And so Willow says, how'd you find it? And Giles says, I looked. <laughs> so that makes me, I mean, he doesn't really say it like that. It's not quite that judgy as the way that I just said it, but that makes me think, ah, he knows that they were not looking. <laughs> and then, um, I, I don't know. 
I, Xander like offers to go to the cemetery to find the glove or whatever because that's part of the information that was found is that it, it's here it's in Rustfield Cemetery or whatever so Xander leaves to like go check it out which in a normal circumstance I don't think Giles would have let Xander go to the cemetery alone but so that's another thing that makes me think that he knew because he let it happen without thinking and then Willow's just sort of like I can stay here and do more research and Giles just says no I'd say we're done and again he doesn't quite say it with that much tone as I just did but I think he knew what do you guys think I'd love to know what you guys think did Giles know that they were making out just then I'm gonna pay attention to the context if I mean I don't know if there's ever a scene with Giles in it after everyone finds out about Xander and Willow if he has any sort of commentary whatsoever if he has any sort of facial expressions whatsoever but I'm gonna be paying attention to that in the next episode because that's when we're finally gonna get that revelation um then the next scene is Faith and Buffy patrolling together and Faith is sort of opening up to Buffy. She's sort of listing all of her ex-boyfriends. She says something like, and then I just accepted the fact that I'm a loser magnet. So now it's strictly get some, get gone. And she's asking Buffy, like she's opening up to her and she, she wants Buffy to do the same. Like she wants to be friends with Buffy. So this is yet another conversation between the two of them that makes me really sad. Like most interactions with Faith right before she turns evil make me sad because it's almost like every single thing that happens interpersonally every time she tries to open up to anyone in the Scooby gang anytime she you know she's just isolated she's staying in that stupid hotel which was pointed out in the podcast buffering the vampire slayer why is she not staying with Buffy like why <laughs> they have extra rooms in that house as we will find out whenever Dawn is inserted into the storyline that there are at least three or four bedrooms in that house it would make complete sense for Joyce to I mean if she was really the good mom that we're all supposed to think that she is she would offer for Faith to stay with them she shouldn't have to stay in a fucking flea bag motel which how is she getting the money to pay for that you know the watchers council doesn't fucking take care of their slayers they don't pay their slayers they only pay their watchers which is bullshit and that is something i have complained about before and will complain about again so okay anyway faith's trying to open up to buffy um and there's kind of a good moment here like buffy starts to get defensive like she does because faith is just sort of asking her so like what about you what about your experience with guys like you've been with the undead what was that like which totally understandable that you would want to ask someone that question and um she's like well i i i don't really know how to talk about that and faith's like well try she's trying to have a regular human relationship with the only other person in the world that can completely understand what she's going through as a slayer and Buffy starts to get defensive however she's not quite as much of an asshole as she usually is in this type of interaction she just kind of says the angel issues are still kind of with me so I'd really rather not talk about it and Faith accepts it she I mean she's a little hurt you can tell 
she's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, fair enough. Uh, she doesn't actually say fair enough, but she just basically says, okay, well, let's just separate, you know, let's just call it a night. Like we're over six at this point. So she like, you know, plays it off and gives Buffy some space and doesn't push the issue further, which is a really nice friend thing to do. Despite the fact that she's hurt that Buffy just refuses to open up to her. In a rare instance of Faith being hurt, she doesn't get super defensive about it. And because this is a rare instance of Buffy being hurt and didn't get super defensive about it. So this was just kind of a cool little moment. It was just, it was still heartbreaking because I really wish Buffy would open up to Faith because if Buffy would open up to Faith, then maybe she wouldn't fucking turn evil. Just like every single interaction with Faith makes me think, oh, here's another check in the box of why she betrays them because they don't trust her. They don't trust her. They don't let her in, which is weird because they let a lot of people into their group and trust them. Cordelia, Oz, you know, they, they're not like a super exclusive club. Why are they so reluctant to trust Faith? Anyway, anyway, next scene is Xander's alone in the cemetery because he offered to go, um, to, cause they know exactly which crypt the, the glove is in, I guess. And Xander knows exactly which one that is for some reason. <laughs> so he goes there and as he's arriving, um, I guess he's far enough away that Angel doesn't see him, but we see Angel leaving the crypt with the glove or with something wrapped in cloth. But, you know, we can assume that he has the glove. So Angel or Xander knows about Angel. And what does he do? So here's where it gets shitty. If, a if Xander, sorry, I keep saying Angel instead of Xander. If Xander were a true friend to Buffy, he would have, well, I don't know. I guess I understand why he followed. Because, okay, at this point, Xander just follows Angel, which I call bullshit because Angel would have fucking known. He is the king of stalking people without them knowing. He would know that Xander is stalking him because Xander's not smooth in any way. But because of the plot line, we need to discover Buffy kissing Angel. So Xander follows Angel back to his house and then he's making out with Buffy. And like, what? How long was he following this? Zan or how long was Xander following Angel? I just don't get this. I don't know. Don't look far too far into plot points of Buffy because they will fall apart very quickly. Anyway, what I think should have happened at this point, if Xander were a true friend, he should have, after seeing Angel, immediately gone to Buffy. He should have gone to her or Giles Either way, not followed Angel further, he should have, you know, gotten out of there because he has no way of knowing that Angel is not evil. You know, if he had been caught by Angel, he could have been killed by Angel. He should have, I don't know, I don't get his motivation for continuing to follow Angel, except the fact that we needed to see him catching him making out with Buffy. 
And how did that really go? He comes home and Buffy just happens to be there and they start making out immediately. Like, anyway. Anyway. Okay. Um, so, Xander... Okay, the next scene is, um, I guess Giles is putting Gwendolyn up in his house. I mean, that would make sense. Just like Joyce should be putting Faith up in her house. But um, he's offering tea to, to Gwendolyn and she has brought her own because his isn't good enough. Like every single interaction between the two of them is just, she is so dismissive and awful. And she, at one point, I don't think I mentioned this, but she said, she tells him that the Watcher's Council um, not only wants her to be Faith's Watcher, but she want, they want her to sort of keep an eye on Giles too, because they think that Giles has become too American. So a lot of the disdain coming from her towards him has that undercurrent to it. Like his tea's not good enough for her. Um, his books aren't good enough for her. At one, at one point in the scene, she says to him, the pictures are fun to look at, Mr. Giles. One should also read the words or something like that. Because he's, he's still, you know, he's doing research and she already knows everything about this glove of Minagon. I mean, we find out later it's because she wants to possess it. So she's already done a ton of research on it. But she's making fun of him because he doesn't know everything about this super obscure thing. She's an asshole. Um, Xander shows up. And he... To his credit, he at least pulls Giles aside to tell him in private what he's just seen instead of saying it right in front of Mrs. Post. So that's nice. Um, but he immediately tells Giles that Angel is back. And this part, up until this part, like the fact that he followed them for so long, obviously I take issue with, but the fact that he immediately went to Giles, I can understand that. But what happens next, I have a problem with. So the next morning, it's Xander, Oz, Giles, Cordelia, and Willow all sitting around the table when Buffy shows up and they do an intervention with her and they tell her we know about Angel, what the fuck, and they all gang up on her. I think this is very mishandled and I think this is uncharacteristic of Giles that he allowed this to happen. Normally, you know, Xander goes to Giles and tells him what's going on. He would have said, okay, well, discretion is of the order here. I will talk to Buffy and we will figure out what to do. Don't tell anyone else right now. Let's talk to her alone. He would normally have the respect for her, even though this is a really shitty thing that she did. She put all their lives in danger. It's a really shitty thing. Like... It's weird. Every time I watch this, every time I rewatch this show, it's like it flips back and forth. And as I think that's another testament to the show being relatively well written as far as character development is concerned, at least <laughs> as well as the, for the plot, not so much, but character development is usually done pretty well on this show. And I think it's a testament to that, that every time I rewatch it, I'm either completely on Buffy's side when I watch this episode or I'm completely on 
everyone else's side. Like, I don't think the way that they did this was right, but I think she needed to be confronted. And I, what I think should have been done, I think Giles should have talked to her privately. And I think everything that he said to her, which we'll get there in a second. I'm going to tell you Giles's entire speech because oh, that is a heart punch of a speech. It is so, oh, oh my God. Anyway. Um, okay. So intervention time, blah, blah, blah. Even, okay. So Xander, his fighting style is pretty consistent. Like there are a lot of scenes in which, you know, everybody's sort of ganging up on Buffy and Xander's usually at the forefront of that because he He, like, says what he's feeling without thinking. Like, he thinks it as he's saying it. He works shit out. His fighting style is working things out by yelling it out. And, you know, he says some harsh shit, and he's sort of an asshole in this scene, but he's been far worse, and everything he says is actually justified in this situation. Like, if it were just the two of them, if he had just, like, gone to confront her immediately when he saw her kissing Angel and they had this fight by themselves, I think it's a justified fight to have. But immediately, like, they pull up a chair for Buffy to sit down and Giles is standing and Xander stands up and pushes his chair over to Buffy and then continues standing. Like, why? I mean, it's just like he's lording over her. It's very gross. And that is a very, it looks very sexist, just like looking at that scene. Like, let's all gang up on Buffy and Giles and Xander are standing. I mean, yeah, Oz is sitting, but, you know, he's not, he's not, a, you know, an important male figure in Buffy's life the way that Xander and Giles are. And they're both lording over her as she's sitting. Like, she stands up pretty quickly. Like, I'm not just going to sit here and be attacked by everyone. Um, anyway. What am I even talking about? Uh, okay. Um, Cordelia throws in a line here and there. She says, what gives you the right to suck face with your demon lover again? Like, everybody has good points and everybody's angry and it makes sense. And Buffy, to her credit, does not get super defensive like she normally would. Even though everyone's ganging up on her, she doesn't get super defensive. She, like, lets it sink in. And at one point, Giles sort of, like, realizes that nothing, you know, everybody's just yelling at each other. There's no, nothing productive is happening here. So he just sort of sends everyone away. And then he, this is when... Okay, I'm going to take a minute to actually describe this because it's very powerful. As you all know, like, Anthony Stewart Head is an amazing actor. Sarah Michelle Gellar is also an amazing actor. And, like, this needed to happen for everyone else to leave for them to have a real moment here. And they do. So, right after Giles sends everyone away, he walks into his office I'm giving him outfit of the episode simply for this moment because there really weren't very there really weren't any outfits of note in this episode, and just the fact, just the way that Giles interacts with his outfit in this scene is very. I don't know. It's just it. 
the way that Anthony Stewart head, um, part of why I think he's such a good actor is because he's always doing something. He always has something in his hands. He's always doing something. I don't know. And it just, whatever he's doing, whatever prop work he's doing is always important to his acting. He's just so good. He knows when to pause. Like, he's just so good. So anyway, he walks into his office. It's possible he's just trying to get away from Buffy because he's very angry with her. And during the whole intervention scene, there were several moments where he sort of had to turn away. Like, if you just watch him in that scene, um, you'll get the whole context of anything you're supposed to feel. Like, he is very angry and he is holding back because he is very good at controlling his emotions and he doesn't say hurtful things unless he's choosing to say them like he's very controlled with his emotions and i appreciate that so he walks into his office buffy follows him and she says thanks for the out in there you know like whatever and giles he takes his jacket off puts it on his chair Buffy's behind him as she's like thanking him for sending everyone else away and he unbuttons his um vest pulls his tie out of his like because they're like tucked into his pants or something he pulls his tie out uh, I think he like loosens his shirt or something so it's like he's getting ready for a fight <laughs> and then he says the following the whole speech was written down in one of my Buffy books, so I'm going to read exactly what he says because it's very, it's very controlled, it's very powerful, and it's, it says exactly what needs to be said to Buffy, and I'm glad that he said it, even though it rips your heart out and stomps it into a million pieces. So here's what he says. I won't remind you that the fate of the world often lies with the Slayer. What would be the point? Nor shall I remind you that you've jeopardized the lives of all that you hold dear by harboring a known murderer. But sadly, I must remind you that Angel tortured me for hours for pleasure. You should have told me he was alive. You didn't. You have no respect for me or the job I perform. Wow. Like, doesn't that just, oh, it's like, it's like dad's disappointed in me <laughs> like I didn't even have a good relationship with my dad so I wouldn't give a shit if he was disappointed in me but that hurts it hurts and Buffy is speechless she is never speechless she just stands there she lets it wash over her and she gives it a second he like turns away from her in his chair he sits down after that speech and then turns away from her and she walks away and oh, it needed to be said like Buffy really did a shitty thing she was afraid of everyone's reaction to Angel being back so she just decided not to fucking tell them and I can understand like when he first falls out of the sky and she discovers him and he's like an animalistic creature or whatever, like maybe she needs a few days to sort this out, but she should have told him from that first episode after he came back, after she discovered that he was back, 
when they were all wondering if Oz killed somebody and she was also wondering if he was the one that killed somebody, she should have told them then. There's no excuse for why she didn't. And this is, I mean, maybe the excuse is that she's a teenager in love. I know that's what we're supposed to think. We're supposed to think, you know, whatever. And I, it's understandable. They even, I think Giles even says during the intervention, he says something to the effect of, we can all understand why she hid this from us. She shouldn't have, but we understand why she did. You know, that kind of thing. So we get it. But it was really, really shitty that she did this. And this is not the first time she's hid something from everyone because she didn't want to deal with the fallout of telling them the truth. And it's not the last time. And, you know, Faith does a lot of the same shit, but she has to pay for it. Like, she shuts people out, therefore she is completely isolated. But when Buffy shuts people out, they still love her. You know, she is lucky in that sense. Anyway, anyway, I need to start trying to wrap things up, but I still have like four pages of notes left. Okay. All right. Where are we? She is speechless. Okay. Um, the next scene is Gwendolyn goes to see Faith in her ratty motel. She lets it drop to her something about secret meetings. So she somehow knows that they were meeting. She doesn't know what it's about probably, but she knows that they were all meeting without Faith. And so she's trying to isolate Faith. And you can tell that she's hurt. She's like, what? Why would they all meet without me? You know, like she's hurt. And it, it breaks me. It breaks me when faith is hurt. Okay. Um, my next note was Buffy needs to pay more attention to Willow's subtext. So Buffy sees Willow in the hallway, like at her locker or whatever. We can assume that she just went straight from the library to talking to Willow. I don't think anybody's gone to class in this episode. And, um, she asks Willow how upset she is with her. And Willow is just like very, very accepting. She's like, I'm not upset with you at all. Secrets are good. Secrets, we keep them for a reason. You know, like she's dropping hints left and right. And if Buffy wasn't so self-centered, she would have been like, hey, Willow, what's going on? You need to talk about something? <laughs> she really should have noticed that in the scene. And she didn't. Um, the next note I have is Faith saying, I say I slay. And Xander saying, can I come? So Xander is like by himself playing pool at the bronze and Faith shows up like, what even is this? Like, we're, I don't know. And then they start talking and Faith sort of asks him, what's the deal with the secret meetings, blah, blah, blah. And Xander, and okay, to Faith's credit here, I'm going to give her a ton of credit in this episode because I feel for her. She doesn't know what the fuck's going on. She's never met Angel. She doesn't understand. She knows that he's a vampire and for whatever reason, Buffy loved him. I think she knows that he had a soul, maybe, but I don't even know if she knows that much. Because every time she tries to ask Buffy questions about this situation that she knows a tiny, tiny kernel of information about, Buffy gets defensive and shuts the conversation down. She knows nothing. If she had had the entire context of this angel situation, she wouldn't have done what she does. So basically, you know, like Xander says, well, angel's back and Faith's like, okay, let's go kill him. 
He's, he's a vampire. She knows that he has caused so much pain that Buffy can't even fucking talk about him. Like, she's like, I'm a slayer. He's a vampire. Let's get this over with. Like, she, you know, it seems to us that she's reacting very harshly, but it makes sense. It makes sense with Faith's character in general, and it makes sense because she doesn't have all the information. So it's a yet another situation where somebody is acting based on not having all the information when they could have all the information. They could. Um, then we get a scene between Gwendolyn and Giles in which they're kind of relating for a second. Like Gwendolyn just like finally like drops her facade and lets herself be a little bit nice to Giles. Maybe because she realizes she needs more of his cooperation because she still hasn't found the glove. And he reveals that the glove is being kept by a friend of Buffy's. Again, he is always with the discretion. He doesn't like gossip about what the fuck's going on and how much pain is in this whole situation. So he, they're gonna like have a cup of tea together and he reveals that, you know, the glove is being kept by a friend. And I think he says where it is, um, where Angel is where the friend is and um I guess they're sort of planning to go there or something I don't know um but Gwendolyn hits him over the head with something heavy like really hard twice like it's the amount of brutality here he might have died like it's a pretty serious it's not just Giles getting knocked out real quick like she hits him from behind on the head and then he turns around to look at her and then she just like full force hits him again on the left side of the head oh it's awful and he gets knocked out um my next note poor Giles um but then we get Buffy and Willow at the cemetery um Buffy had tried to contact Faith but didn't get a hold of her because she's the bronze with Xander and they're now on a war path to go kill Angel unbeknownst to her. So she's at the cemetery waiting um, at the place where the glove was to see if the Lagos guy shows up um, to find the glove that is now not there because Angel has it. And she takes Willow with her for some weird reason and they're talking and Willow's about to tell her, you know, they're talking about secrets and shit and they're just talking through stuff and, and you know, it makes sense that Buffy feels comfortable with Willow since Willow's like the only one that isn't really mad at her. <laughs> Which, again, she should be picking up on some subtext here, but she's not. Because Willow would... Willow loves being the moral high ground. So the fact that Willow's not taking more joy in that in this situation should be an immediate red flag to Buffy that there's something else going on with her again and so willow starts actually telling her she's like there's something i have to tell you it's a really big deal i don't want you to judge me i just really need to tell someone blah 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 but then they're interrupted by lagos buffy kills him real quick and then she comes back and she's like okay what were you going to tell me and then willow says i opened my sat sat book five minutes early which i can understand that like uh, yeah Buffy shouldn't have accepted that. She should have been like, um, but that's a thing that Willow might actually obsess about. So I can understand that she accepts that. Um, 
especially because she's a slayer, she deals with a lot of really heavy shit. So probably most normal people problems seem silly to Buffy. So the fact that this one is an extremely silly normal people problem, the fact that she can accept that sort of makes sense to me. But again, um, I mean, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time that Buffy is too self-centered to like see what's going on with the people around her. Okay. Um, oh, I wanted to point out in, um, the Slay Me book, um, episode guide, sometimes she'll have just like really interesting insights into like one of the themes in the episode. And so I highlighted one thing which she was talking about, um, Tai Chi. And, um, maybe I should just read the whole thing. Tai Chi Wan, I don't know how to say it, C-H-U-A-N, is an ancient Chinese form of self-defense that in the 20th century became popular as a relaxation technique. It is appropriate that Angel uses it for it stresses mental focus, the alignment of the body with the spirit and mind, and harmony between the self and the world around it. The technique is as much a philosophy as a physical exercise and follows the tenets of Taoism, the most appropriate being the hard and strong will fall and jealous the soft and weak the soft and weak will overcome angel in the sense that he's more powerful with his mind than fists buffy learning the technique is her first step toward a more spiritual understanding of her calling so that's just totally going outside the context but i just have the book sitting in front of me and realized i hadn't told you that part yet because i had it highlighted that i wanted to say that part so that's just an interesting little insight into Tai Chi. So let's get back to what we were fucking talking about. Let's see. Okay. Um, next scene is Faith and Xander showing up at the library to get a bunch of weapons out of Giles' chest that he keeps in the book drop. Because, yeah, a chest full of weapons that he keeps in the little cage where he locks Oz every month when he's a werewolf three days out of the month like no sense whatsoever okay so they're getting weapons you hear Giles sort of moaning in the other room like but he's not conscious by the time they get to him and Xander's the one that notices so here's where Xander starts redeeming himself he has been an asshole in this episode but it's understandable actually because Xander's character he reacts before he thinks and you see that play out in a pretty real way in this episode. You know, he he lashed out at Buffy when he, like, confronted her during the intervention. And he's going, like, he wants to go with Faith to watch her kill Angel. Partially because of stupid, petty, teenage boy jealousy. But also, Xander, or Angel, has done a lot of really terrible things to this group of people. So it makes sense that he would want Angel to be dead. It completely makes sense. He doesn't know. He doesn't know what we know about Angel and what he's been through. He doesn't know because Buffy kept it from them for like fucking month and a half or some shit. Like, let's actually look that up. When did Angel show up? He showed up technically at the very end of Faith, Hope, and Trick. But Buffy didn't find out about him until Beauty and the Beast. So, Beasts, 
So that was the 20th of October. So she has, it has been almost a month that Angel has been back. Like if we're going by real time and I think the show generally does that. So she is known for almost a month. <laughs> I wrote, um, Faith says, so they discovered Giles being knocked out and Xander is, you know, like, oh my God, Giles, are you okay? And like goes to him and Faith just reacts with further anger. She says, Buffy's ex-meat did this. Ex-meat. Buffy's ex-meat. <laughs> and then my next note is Xander is thinking clearly, <laughs> question mark. Um, because he says, that's not Angel's style. You know, it wouldn't be Angel's style to just like knock Giles out and leave for no reason. Like, um, so Xander calls the he calls the, he calls 911. Like it's that bad. Like Giles has been knocked out a gazillion times before, but Xander can tell that this time is different. And it really was more brutal than usual. Um, and he's bleeding. Uh, I don't think we see that at this point, but, um, Xander obviously sees that it's a big deal. Um, we cut to Angel. He is, um, making living flame because that needs to happen to destroy the glove. And he knows this, apparently. Um, Giles was just putting it together. So again, another like, you know, back in the day when Angel had everyone's trust, they would have all been together on this. Like Angel, since he found out about how to destroy the glove before Giles did, or nearly at the same time, they would have been in communication with each other. And if Buffy had told them immediately that Angel was back, they could have all been on the same page and they could, almost a month later, they could be starting to reluctantly trust him again. So a lot of drama could have been avoided if she had told them. Really, honestly, it could have. Like, Buffy is a dick in this episode. Like, the fact that she kept this secret is kind of a bigger deal than Xander and Willow making out. I mean, it's, it really is, you know, now that I think about it, it really is. She really did endanger everyone. And like Giles could have been killed with these blows to the head. He really could have. Anyway, not to say it's Buffy's fault, you know, but it kind of is a little bit, but not really, but kind of. Okay. Okay. Um, and to Giles, or to Xander's credit, I keep saying wrong male names in this episode, <laughs> to Xander's credit, so Buffy shows up at the library for some reason, and, um, oh, because she, I guess she had just killed Lagos, so she shows up to the library with Willow, and, um, because she's going to tell Giles that she just killed Lagos. So, hey one thing down. Now they just need to destroy the glove. Um, so she shows up and to Xander's credit, he actually tells Buffy that Faith is on her way to kill Angel. Like he is starting to like, let his logic catch up to his emotions in this situation. So, you know, he could have been an asshole like he was at the end of season two and not tell her what the fuck's going on, but he didn't. He told her. So that's good. Um, it's weird because I went into this episode thinking I was going to be really, really pissed off at Xander. 
and I'm not, um, like the reactions that he has in this episode are consistent with his character, but they're also understandable. Like really trying to think about this from everyone else's perspective. I understand like being defensive for Buffy in this situation, but she did a really shitty thing. Okay. I said that already. Let's move on. Uh, Gwen goes to Angel under the ruse of helping. I don't know how to spell ruse. I just realized that. Is it R-U-S? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, Gwendolyn really likes hitting people in the head. So she hits Angel in the head with a shovel after he turns around. Um, she's at his apartment now. Faith comes in as Angel is fighting back and assumes the wrong thing. You know what just occurs to me? How did anyone tell Angel that they all know about him now? Because he doesn't seem shocked whenever Gwen shows up and says he knew that Buffy was keeping him a secret. He did know that, but does he know that he's not a secret anymore? Because when Gwendolyn tells him like, you know, Giles sent me, like we need to do this living flame thing and blah, blah, blah. He seems to take that on faith and he wouldn't be doing that if he didn't know. So somebody's communicating with Angel properly, apparently. <laughs> Angel has the information that he needs. He's the only one. Um, anyway, so she hits him with the shovel and he, he goes down for a second, but then he gets right back up. And um, Gwendolyn says that should have killed you if you were human, but you're obviously not. So she breaks the shovel and she tries to stake him. Um, Faith comes in as Angel is fighting back because Gwendolyn's trying to kill him. Um, and again, this is where I wrote, where it started dawning on me that no one has all the information and that's what this whole episode is about because Faith comes in and sees Angel fighting back on her watcher and she doesn't know that her watcher is bad. Like she's just beginning to trust her. And, um, so she comes in she's even more on the war path to killing Angel and she almost stakes him and then Buffy shows up and then Buffy and Faith fight. Um, <laughs> and I also wrote about right after I wrote Faith doesn't have all the information I wrote, neither does Angel. Does he even know who Faith is? Like, has anyone told him who Faith is? Like, he doesn't seem to be questioning anything. Like, and part of that is because David Boreanaz, at this point in his career, he's still a baby. He's not the best actor in the world. So maybe more of that, whether he knows about certain things, could have been displayed on his face if, say, he were as good an actor as Anthony Stewart Head. But at this point in his career, he is not. So, like, I don't know. And then Angel just sort of lays there. The whole time that Buffy and Faith are fighting, he is like laying there as if he's knocked out. But he was conscious right before Faith almost killed him. So I don't know why this is happening. Whatever. Anyway, so Buffy and Faith fight, which is hot, of course, watching two super capable chicks fight each other. Super hot, right? Um, as they're fighting, Gwendolyn puts the glove on, um, and then <laughs> Angel suddenly snaps out of it because as soon as Gwendolyn puts the glove on, she just starts like 
reciting Gaelic or something and then all this lightning happens and she becomes like invincible with this glove on whatever and she starts just like pointing at people so she tries to like electrocute kill Willow and Angel suddenly jumps into action and he saves her um to Faith's credit again like Faith is my most valuable player in this episode because really everyone's a shithead in this episode for, for different reasons but all of Faith's motivations are completely understandable to me in this episode because she does not have all the information in any context and the way that she's reacting to things is understandable I think um but, and to her credit, in this moment, as soon as they see Gwendolyn put the glove on, Buffy and Faith stop fighting and they realize, everybody just simultaneously realizes that Gwendolyn is terrible and she's, um, Buffy just turns to Faith and says, can you draw her fire? And Faith immediately trusts Buffy's instincts. Immediately. She's like, yeah, I can. And they fight together. Um, they just go immediately from fighting each other to fighting together and they defeat Gwendolyn pretty quickly I, my, I wrote did Gwen just destroy Quan Yin because Angel in his apartment he has this Quan Yin statue or in his mansion I guess is where he is now and it's been with him since the beginning like the first time we see his apartment the Quan Yin is there um and I always notice it because I have a statue that is very similar. It's not exactly the same, but it's almost, almost exactly the same. Um, I love my Kuan Yin statue. Um, anyway, but Gwen sort of points at it and I didn't see it again in the background in the scene. So I'm going to be paying attention to see if that is the end of the Kuan Yin statue, because that would be heartbreaking, but I don't know. I don't know if it got destroyed or not. They, they they didn't pay enough attention to whether or not the Kuan Yin statue was okay. And I think that's a huge oversight in this episode. Okay. Um, and then, okay, so they defeat Gwen. They destroy the glove because Angel already has the living flame going. They're ready to go. Um, and then everybody's sitting around at school the next day. They're sort of as they are wont to do, they're sort of updating Cordelia and Oz on what's been happening because a lot of the times they're just not in the middle of it. <laughs> like they weren't in the middle of it in this episode. Um, so they're sort of updating them on what happened. Buffy shows up, um, or it's, it's Xander, Willow, Cordelia, Oz sitting around on couches talking about it. And then Buffy shows up and she's like, what you talking about? And Oz is like, well, oddly enough, your boyfriend again, because the very beginning of the episode was them speculating on whether or not she had someone she was dating. And now they're all talking, the same four of them are talking about her again. And, you know, like, what does this mean now that Angel's back? I mean, Willow basically says, well, I kind of forgive him because he saved my life. So they're all, they're all getting to the emotional page that they should have been on a month ago if Buffy had told them immediately. They obviously can understand. Like, she thought they couldn't, and it took them a second, because it took her a second, too. Like, she needs to trust them. Which is ironic, considering what's about to... the next scene. But anyway, so Buffy shows up. 
Xander, like, Buffy asks Xander, are we okay? And he's like, or are we cool? And he says, yes. And he says, you know, I had a momentary freak out and overreacted, whatever. And, but he doesn't apologize. And he never apologizes. So... I don't know. I had a, I have a lot of up and down feelings about Xander in this episode, but overall I understand the way that he reacted, but he should have apologized and he should have gone to Giles before following Angel for an hour or whatever he fucking did. Uh, anyway, overall Xander's a shithead. We all know this. Moving on. Um, Giles shows up um, as they're all talking about how weird it is that Angel's back and like, what does it mean? And Buffy's sort of telling them, we're not together. I don't think we're together. It's just, you know, uh, uh. Giles shows up. He's got his minty mug, important to note. He has a big bandage on his forehead and he's, no one asks him if he's okay. I mean, he went to the fucking hospital. Like he got hit over the head really, really badly. And he just shows up in this scene to give some exposition about the fact that Gwendolyn Post actually used to be a watcher, but um, she was ousted from the council two years ago because of, like, dark forces, because she was meddling with dark forces or whatever the fuck. And, like, again, every time Giles communicates with the council, it's either they're just like laying the hammer down for some weird reason, or he has to call them to consult them about something. Like they never keep him in the loop. And I think that's totally stupid. Anyway, we're not supposed to like the Watcher's Council. And that's probably the only reason for that kind of disconnect is because they don't really want to deal with it as a plot point. Okay. No one asks if Giles is okay. The very last scene is Buffy going to see Faith. And first of all, earlier in the episode when Gwendolyn went to see Faith, she answered the door after Gwendolyn knocked. Faith answered the door with like her stake drawn, just like ready to kill whoever was at the door. But when Buffy shows up and knocks, after some shitty stuff have hap has happened to Faith over the course of this episode, she got beat up by Buffy, she found out her watcher was an ass face, she found out everyone was leaving her out of the loop on some shit, she doesn't trust anyone, her reaction to someone knocking on the door this time after all that has happened is, come in! <laughs> like, that is, no, that doesn't make sense. But anyway, Buffy comes in and she basically says to Faith, you can trust me. And again, Faith, knowing what she knows, I can completely understand how she's going to be dismissive of that. She's going to be like, uh, see no evidence that I can trust you, bitch. So no, she's like, I'm on my side and that's all that matters. And it's just, this is another heartbreaking moment between Buffy and Faith where Buffy is in her terrible way trying to reach out to Faith and Faith is shutting down. And as many times as Faith has tried to open up to Buffy and Buffy has shut down, you know, Buffy, I mean, this is a good gesture on her part to try to open up to Faith, but we're supposed to see this as she gave Faith an olive branch and Faith didn't take it. So she deserves to not be trusted, blah, blah, blah. 
But no, this is one time that Faith reaches out, or Buffy reaches out to Faith, and she should have done it many more times, and I don't think she does. I don't think she proves to Faith in any way that she can be trusted, that she she doesn't ever trust her. So how can Faith trust Buffy if Buffy never trusts Faith? So I'm fully on Faith's side this entire episode. I mean, she reacted a little harshly to killing Angel. She should have known that she didn't have all the facts in order to do that, but she was hurt. Anyway. Then there's that whole, the very end of the episode is um, Buffy's like, okay, well, she's she's getting shut down. She's getting, you know, pushed out. So Buffy just sort of like starts to leave and Faith says, Buffy. And then Buffy turns around and she looks really hopeful and excited like, oh, are you going to let me in? And she says, yeah. And then Faith's like, nothing. Again, I understand Faith's motivation there because she like wanted to like reciprocate and open back up to Buffy, but Buffy was a little too fucking eager when she said her name. And so she was like, nah, never mind. Uh, not going to go there. And so the episode ends with Buffy walking out the door, Faith sitting by herself inside her crappy little motel room and Buffy just leaving. So two slayers alone. That's how the episode ends. So obviously I have a lot of emotions surrounding this episode. Overall, I think it was pretty well done. Um, everyone's reactions to each other were pretty emotionally nuanced. And for the most part, they were in, in keeping with the general development of each person's characters. Um, I, I don't know. It was a pretty good episode in that sense, in that I think it was well done. Was it enjoyable? Not really, because it's just a bunch of like gut punches over and over. I mean, you have to see Giles almost die from two huge blows to the head. You have to see Giles disappointed in Buffy. You have to see, you know, you have to really deal with the gravity of this situation. Like, sure, it was sexy watching Buffy and Angel do Tai Chi together, but the gravity of the situation is pretty heavy. Like, obviously they can't have a relationship together. Obviously. As much as many people ship Buffy and Angel, it's it just is not a good idea. It's just not. And that is an overall theme in this season. Buffy and Angel, not a good idea. That's one of the major themes of season three. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. A lot, uh, have a lot more thoughts about this episode than I thought I would. I, going into it, I was thinking I was going to be pissed off at Xander, and that's it. <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to have all these other complicated emotions, and I wasn't actually going to hate Xander as much as I thought I would in this episode. So, points for Xander, I guess. I think he sort of came out at the end of this episode being sort of net neutral because he was shitty, but he also redeemed himself in some ways, but he also didn't apologize. So he's kind of at zero. <laughs> um, and yeah, anyway, let's get to my ratings of the episode or first let's talk about the way that the next few weeks are going to go. Um, next week we will talk about lover's walk, which is, an awesome episode because we get 
spike. And it's also very emotionally gut-wrenching because finally Oz and Cordelia are going to find out about Xander and Willow. So finally, that's going to be out in the open. Everything's going to be fucking out in the open by this time next week. Thank God. And it's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be a good talk next week, I think. So um, that'll be next Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And then we have a week off before we talk about The Wish on December 8th. And after that, we will have the Buffy Christmas episode. I think it's the only one that's like set. I don't even know if it's necessarily Christmas themed, but it snows in Sunnydale. So that's three weeks from today. No, wait, that is one, two, three. That's four weeks from today. And that will be, and then we'll have, let's see. We'll have at least a couple weeks off at the end of the year. When do we come back? Almost a month we'll have off, um, but we can talk about that when we get closer to it. Next week, we're talking about Lover's Walk. Um, ways that you can find me on the internet. I'm under Mixtress Ray in a lot of places, but if you want to follow the podcast specifically, um, it's under Mixtress Buffy on Instagram. And I always post um, when I have a new episode up. That's basically all I do is just post when there's a new episode up. And I um, edit a little picture from the episode. And, you know, that's that's what I do there. <laughs> um, and if you would like to donate monies to my creative endeavors, I have a radio show, I have a YouTube channel, and I have this podcast. So if you donate to any money to me, it will go towards any of those things. So ways you can do that, you can give me a monthly contribution on Patreon, and that is patreon.com slash mixtressray, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Um, you can also donate, give me a one-time donation on PayPal if you would like. Um, I do like, I offer some different services for that. So check the description notes. Basically just, I do like a song shuffle and a little mini tarot card reading for you guys for certain amounts of money. Um, or you can just send me a buck cause you like what I do. I would love it. So if you would like to donate to my PayPal tip jar, that is paypal.me slash Ray. Again, M-I-X-T-R-E-S-S-R-A-E. Let's get into the ratings of the episode. So I already told you the quote was, it's another Tuesday night in Sunnydale. I already told you my most valuable player is Faith because, um, I mean, Giles also, like, I don't hate Giles in this episode. Like the way that he reacted to everything was perfectly reasonable the way that Faith reacted to everything was not entirely reasonable, but understandable. Um, and just the fact I basically gave it to Faith over Giles simply because, um, simply because we're not going to have very many opportunities to give Faith most valuable player of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> Moment of silence for Faith not being an important enough character to this show as she is to me. Okay. Sorry. I spent a lot of time whining about that. Um, outfit episode, like I said, is Giles. It's, it's a basic, ep basic outfit for Giles, but just the fact that he used 
everything in that outfit <laughs> to get his disappointment to Buffy across, taking off the jacket, unbuttoning the vest, pulling the tie out of the pants. I mean, he should have basically rolled his sleeves up for that fight, you know? It was him, it was the Giles understated version of rolling your sleeves up for a fight before he tells off Buffy and... That's why he gets outfitted the episode, because there were really, there was really nothing else. Like, Buffy had this terrible outfit on earlier in the episode. God, it was awful. It was, like, bright pink and bright orchidy lavender in a bad way. And it was just not good. Weird beaded necklace. Cordelia just had, like, some generic, like, Oxford-type shirt on. Xander was just wearing his normal thing. Willow had kind of an interesting shirt on at the very beginning of the episode that was probably would be considered cultural appropriation these days, but I think it had like a mini armed Hindu god or goddess on the t-shirt. So that was kind of interesting, but overall terrible episode as far as outfits are concerned and fashion. The object of the episode, the only thing I could think of that I haven't said before because I've said that I wanted both want Giles's mug before I've said that I like the Quan Yin, but I already have one, so I don't need to actually have that be the thing. So I decided that I was going to be kind of snarky with my object of the episode, so I chose Living Flame. <laughs> um, and then my four, my five by five ratings for the episode are four and four. So again, like I said, I might in the future change the second rating to treatment of women and how feminist the show is. I think that might be a better use of my scoring system than clarity of message. I mean, it's something I'm always going to talk about, but sometimes it's not very clear. And sometimes I think, I think the show overall wants to create horror metaphors of life, but I don't think they necessarily do that every single episode. But for now, I think that this particular episode definitely had a clear message of people acting based on not having all the information and revelations needing to be made, which is why it's called Revelations. And so I think I'm going to keep the scoring system for now, but I might change it. In fact, what do you guys think about that? If you have any opinions on that? Um... Okay, so it gets a four for clarity of message and a four for enjoyability. I really did enjoy this episode way more than I thought I would. Like, it's heart-wrenching, but it's all pretty understandable, I think. So it gets a 16 overall. So hope you guys have a great week, and I will see you guys next week with the return of Spike in Lover's Walk. Yay! Okay, bye. Bye!